You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. I'm so excited to welcome Marcy Wheeler back to the show and to announce that she's going to be joining us more regularly because, oh my God, there's so much to talk about. So um, the next couple of weeks are going to be weird because you're on vacation and I'm moving, but we will get to a a weekly um, uh, session where we can go through everything that's going on because it's so hard to keep track of it all. Somehow you do, Marcy Wheeler. And the thing that amazes me whenever we talk, I throw questions at you. I don't ever tell you ahead of time what I'm going to ask you. And you seem to just always know the answers. Do you do any special like brain exercises to keep things straight? No, I write a lot. I mean, you know, I, I write, you talk to people on, on, on your show a lot. I right. write a lot. So right. whatever. Yeah. In fact, we are taping this as we tend to do because you're in Ireland and I'm uh, here on the East coast, not for long, but here. And um, so in Florida, in Florida, <laughs> oh, can't wait. To, oh, and I don't know if you watched the debate the other night, but we can, we can talk about that for a few minutes if you like. What, what kills me is Washington post Ipsos poll had DeSantis coming out on top. Like, he won the debate with um, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy coming in second. I, 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 it really is opposite world. I, there's no explanation uh, as far as I I'm mean, concerned. it's opposite world, but, like, I, this is my new theory on politics. No one should be writing about polls because polls are meaningless. Mm-hmm. First of all, polls are meaningless always this far out from an election. But, like, you cannot write about what Trump voters are going to do, what maggots are going to do, unless you first describe that those maggots are all inside this media bubble. And so, like, you and I don't understand how DeSantis has any credibility, or Ramaswamy, or 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 any, any of, of people, anybody right? on that stage, right? Um, but but we don't live on Fox News and in this right right wing trollosphere, and so we can't 
you, you know, like I, because I write about Hunter Biden as well as all the Trump stuff, it's like I, I'm acutely aware of the fact that the real world, including like the entire world is like, you know, Donald Trump got his mug shot taken yesterday. That's the news that the real world is seeing. And Fox news is like Hunter Biden flew on a plane, you know, and, and, and it's crazy, but these people literally believe that Hunter Biden flying on a plane is equivalent to the 91 felony charges against Donald Trump. They, they literally believe that. And they believe that because they've been brainwashed. And in, unless you understand that brainwashing process, you cannot understand what's going to happen with politics. Like one, one of the one of the most and I, I need to find the citation because it's one of the most important observations I've read recently, which is that um, of Fox viewers, um, there's you know, maybe let's say 55% never watch anything but Fox News. It's astounding. But yeah. then about 30% or so also watch their local broadcast news. And that 30% is the only part of the Republican base that is reachable. That 30% is the part of the Republican base that uh, may believe Hunter Biden Hunter Biden flying on a plane is equivalent to 91 felony charges. Um, but they also may also realize that uh, Republicans took away the right to abortion or that Republicans refused to do anything about climate change or that, you know, actually the border has gotten more secure or that actually Democratic cities have declining murder rates compared especially to rural areas, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's, that is the state of America right now is that you've got this amazing bubble and the brainwashing is really incomprehensible to the rest of us, I think. It, it, it is. It, and I, I'm incredible. I mean, even watching the debate and then seeing the comments afterwards, these people live in a different world. But um, the, 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 here we are. It is, it is Friday now, Friday morning. And last night, Donald Trump orchestrated it so he'd be booked during prime cable time and you know look I, there was no nothing you could see except this ridiculous motorcade do all former presidents have motorcades like that when they go somewhere do, does the media focus on the the plane and the and the 10 cars and the whole thing um, yeah, th I mean, there's that's the discussion this morning is that uh, Barack Obama can go places with two, three SUVs. Um, you know, I, I assume we're going to learn more about the motorcade. I assume we're going to learn that many media outlets had some some seat on the motorcade because they did the last time Trump was arraigned. I mean, he's got, I mean, this was oh not an arraignment, God. but the same thing, you know, he's getting very good at being arrested. He's getting very good at playing it up and he gives inside peeks to kind of chosen journalists. He, he's turned the OJ car chase into a brand <laughs> and he, um, yeah, uh, but you know, look on the bright side. I, and and yes, you have that kind of motorcade, but also look on the bright side. We've been through four uh criminal arrests of some sort or another. I mean, they're 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 legally different things, but we've been through four of them mm -hmm. and we have yet to have a riot tied to them. So 
breathe a sigh of relief because I think we narrowly missed something. And, you know, maybe all of the arrests of the of the crime scene people that DOJ has been still working on. I mean, there's every day they still had new arrests of people who assaulted cops on January 6th. Um, you know, I, m- maybe these arrests actually are having an effect. And now that we're arresting the white collar people, maybe those will have a, have an effect, too. Well, I hope so. And, and, you know, and I think the arrests we've had so far haven't really produced mugshots. Well, now we got the mugshots. And I, I think that makes a world of difference. First of all, the, the news, the, the breaking news uh, headlines last night everywhere. This is the very first time a president, former or current, has ever been mugshotted. And um, I love this. So there's the, there's the mugshot of Trump. And it's what you'd expect. But somebody... Uh, I guess it was June uh, Coey. Uh, uh, th- there's this tweet that I saw that says that it's a Kubrick stare. <laughs> and they put, you know, Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange and Jack Nicholson from The Shining. And I don't even know who this other guy is. But that's the look that Trump is giving. So that's the news, you know, that that was the big headline last night. But more importantly, I think, well, not more importantly, but equally important, there's Rudy Giuliani. And, um, you know, uh, Sidney Powell and the smiling Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis. What, what? So I recommend, um, and maybe you can find it and well, you can't link anything on Shitter anymore, but, right. um, if you go to Shitter, there's been a couple of very good threads about historic mugshots of politicians. One, uh, one was, a, one was by, now I just pulled it up while I was, okay. well, well, um, one was by Eric Columbus. Okay. Like it sounds, E-R-I-C Columbus, like okay. it sounds. Um, he, he was a lawyer associated with the January 6th committee, but as yesterday was rolling out, he, he rolled out a long stream of, um, politicians mugshots and his theory is the ones who smile get off starting with the famous delay <laughs> one so jenna ellis is gonna is gonna get off oh interesting but all these other scouts because most of them are scouts most of them they right? look psychopath you know they're, they're all psychopaths they yep. all you know i worry about them yeah there's so, there's the um, tom delay one and yeah and he went on to dancing with the stars so you know there's right that. tom delay and then um john edwards oh john edwards yeah for oh. Who's this? Larry. Oh, Larry Craig. He's the toe tapper. I am not gay. I never have been gay. Uh, <laughs> Blagojevich, Blagojevich, Alabama Governor Robert Bentley. I, I don't remember him, but this is great. So, oh. now, this is why this. Yeah. And Rick Perry got off. Rick too. Perry. So his theory is if you smile as a corrupt politician, you get off. But all of those scal people, they're destined for jail. <laughs> I lo- so that's why I thought I'd share it because it's a good it's a good theory. The other thing is now there's this ridiculous uh, journalism beat. Uh, which of course includes Maggie Haberman. Yes. Where everyone's like, "Oh, let's see at these, you know, like that they're they're turning it into a cross of People magazine and TMZ." But um, <laughs> yeah, you you which you, is which is Maggie's desired beat, like a cross of People magazine and TMZ. And That's remember, she's- her she's sharing the byline on this piece with Glenn Thrush, who was already right. like demoted at the Post and I think at Politico because he's not not like a good guy and he's kind of sexist and an asshole but there's they have a a shared byline from yesterday afternoon the traditional mugshot is usually a grim affair poorly lit and sullen and it's a whole thing about their the mugshots and uh, really 
And let me interject here because this is important. Um, And I guess today I'm going to highlight the names of some people who people should follow. Just to remember, like, you know, uh, prosecutors aren't heroes necessarily. Like our criminal justice system is 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 it has a lot of problems and and mugshots are one of those problems. I mean, like the mugshots were designed by people like Rudy Giuliani. So you're allowed to spread Rudy Giuliani's all you want, okay. especially because oh. the mugshots of Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, both Floridians, um, they got spread around everywhere. And Rudy never got his mugshot from that Ukraine caper. So, right. um, But people like Rudy Giuliani years ago masterminded the perp walk, masterminded the dehumanization of people who are being arrested. And so, well, I think, you know, of course, Donald Trump's mugshot is historic and Rudy Giuliani's, you can do whatever the whatever the hell you want to do with Rudy <laughs> Giuliani's mugshot. He deserves it. Fun with you know, it. it's, yeah. it's worth remind, re- remembering that the mugshot like, yeah, we like that Fonnie Willis is forcing these people to go through and be treated like everybody else. And that does matter. I mean, I think it's 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 giving people who've lost faith that uh, criminal justice is applied equally in this country some faith that it is. We'll see. You know, these people are going to have very good lawyers and, and it's going to be a contest all the way through. However, um, as we as you you know, we've been watching criminal investigations for two and a half years now. As we begin to watch criminal prosecutions, it's really important to remember the importance of due process, the ways in mm. which our criminal justice system dehumanizes people who go through it. And remember that these are um, many of them rich white people. The only person so far who did not make bail among Trump's co-conspirators is this guy, Willie Floyd, who happens to be one of the two black co-defendants. Interesting. Um, we don't know why he didn't make bail yet. I, my suspicion is has to do with finding a lawyer because um, what you, what everyone is doing is arranging their bail conditions before they go in. And so they go in and just get processed and get to go home. Whereas um, for whatever reason, Willie Floyd showed up. Willie Floyd uh, also got arrested earlier this year, unbeknownst, like it took a week for Washington Post to cover it and they may have been tipped off. But like um, Willie Floyd was arrested in, well, he was, he was arrested in Maryland in February and then arrested by the FBI in May for assaulting two FBI agents trying to serve a Jack Smith subpoena back in February. So um, that's uh, he's the guy he's black voices for Trump who was involved <laughs> oh, in the um, in the pressure campaign against Ruby uh, Freeman. So, uh, yeah. And, he's and, still and in jail, last we checked. So and you have a couple of pieces about him up at EmptyWheel.net and you seem to be the only one talking about him. It's like no one's paying attention um, to this guy who is the only one who hasn't made bail yet the whole thing is just well not just him i'm also paying attention like the like i made an argument the day before that um that this other guy scott hall who we don't know he's a georgian you know we don't know him he's a he's a bail bondsman right right? he was the first one one of the people who's kind of a parasite of this criminal justice system now going through it himself but um you know there's this sense that the georgia indictment is three separate plots there's Mm -hmm. the fake elector plot there's the um coffee county stealing the the tabulator data plot which is Sidney powell's gig and then there's the um 
the pressure on Ruby Freeman. And if you actually look at the Ruby Freeman stuff, it all overlaps. The 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 GOP chairs involved, this guy, the bail bondsman, who happens to be Bossy's, David Bossy's brother-in-law. So, okay. um, you know, these things are going to end up being more closely networked than we imagined. Uh, uh, but it's people like that. It's people like the bail bondsman that you don't know about or that, right. that connect but them all together. He was the first one to to turn himself in and be bailed out. And so those those uh, mugshots are going around. What one of the favorite my favorite memes that I saw was someone took like the first nine of them and put them in the boxes and said, "This reboot of the Brady Bunch doesn't look very good." Um, but then I also like this one where it's fun with Photoshop, and I I get what you're saying. <laughs> That these people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. They have the good day in court, but um, this it, uh, we need it. We need some comic relief because we're all stressed out by everything that's going on. So and and, and understand about Trumps. Um, and there's going to be this contest going forward. Trump doesn't own that mugshot. Trump is trying to, you know, like I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, God, the mug. But, you know, I was thinking they were going to release the mugshot today with the rest of them. Now they released it. And um, and Trump already had merch. Right. Right. At Forty seven dollar T-shirts for his mugshot. <laughs> and he's trying to undercut like he's trying to kind of, like I said, brand the OJ car chase. But he doesn't own that. And so, uh, again, you can do whatever you want with Rudy's. You can do whatever you want with Trump's. And it's important to brand Trump's, I think, um, because he likes owning his own brand and his mugshot is something that he doesn't own. Right. No, that and that's a really good point. But see, he doesn't understand the difference because he thinks he owns all those documents that he took that he doesn't own either. <laughs> but you got to really, you know, he knew this was coming and he practiced that this was the look he was going to. psychopathic scare. Right. Yeah. So this was intentional. Um, yeah. He, he's, yeah. A, he's a sad, sad person. So, but okay. I, can you go back to that? Yeah, uh, sure. Easily and then, here, and then flip maybe to the Sydney Powell ones. Is okay. like I also think that I also think the Fulton County people like the lighting on that is pretty good. <laughs> um, now, if you go back to the Sydney Powell yeah, one, uh -huh. yeah, she's like the lighting on those is terrible. Yeah. Look at that glare off Sydney Powell well, and that big glare off uh, off Rudy's hair, and and then you know, so so I think um, I think the Fulton County people are like, let me slowly perfect <laughs> the mugshot because these are gonna these are gonna last forever. So they are, but now okay, so now we. We're told Donald Trump is going to be treated just like everyone else. But was everybody else given the opportunity to make up a height and weight yeah, <laughs> and hair yeah. color? So nobody yeah. had to step on the scale? They got no, to No, but you know what I learned this morning is Jeffrey Clark is five three. Five three and hundred fifty. He's such a nut. Yeah, he's five three. A Napoleon complex I mean, Nicole, or something. When you go to DC, like you've done this, right? You go to DC and you stand next to somebody waiting for an elevator and you're like, <laughs> I had no idea you were shorter than me. Men, men, all yes, men, like the men who run the world are these short DC men who um have Napoleon complex. That's and right. You don't you don't understand that until you're waiting for an elevator next to them. I swear. <laughs> or and they so get Jeffrey arrested Clark, and Jeffrey have Clark. I'd be looking down at Jeffrey Clark. I'm several inches taller than Jeffrey that's Clark. Hysterical. That's, that's hysterical. So but um, Donald Trump, uh, you know, if you if he needed evidence that the man lies every time he opens his mouth. I love this. First, when he when he was arraigned, I guess, in March, he he said that he was six two and 240 pounds now according to him he's six three 
and 215, which is hysterical. No, he's not. And his hair is strawberry blonde. Don't you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it's whatever comes out of the bottle. So, yeah, he can claim that. Of but, course. Um, I actually, there's there's a Floridian <laughs> who's who's on the lam right now. This guy, Chris Worrell, who is a proud boy. Uh, he's from Tampa, I think. And uh, he was about to be sentenced and then went on the lam. So there's wanted posters of him going out. And he's exactly the same size as Donald Trump, which I really like. He's one of these proud boys. He's just he's just a toxic person. He's he's one of the proud boys who sprayed the cops, but also just your big, big proud boy guy. Like he's got coins of Donald Trump's face and coins like he has. He has a challenge coin made up of January 6th itself, like a proud boy commemorative coin. So anyway, that dude is on the loose around you, Nicole. And that dude, I think he said his weight was 240. But he, you look at him, you're like, oh, God, this is what Donald Trump would be if he were yeah. not born to wealth and also in Florida. Oh, wait, they're both in Florida. So, <laughs> um, and and um, and Chris Worrell's case ties closely to Roger Stone. So oh, they're, they're, you know, two degrees of Roger Stone. Um, why is Roger Stone missing from this Georgia indictment? Well, we're going to get David Bossie before we get Roger Stone, but that's that's almost the same, isn't it? Um, look, I think with Roger Stone, um, first of all, like Roger Stone is one of the people that you get to from both sides, right? right. Like Roger Stone has very well-developed relationships, especially with the Proud Boys, less so with the with the Oath Keepers, but also with the Oath Keepers, also with another militia group, and then obviously with Donald Trump and uh, and Ali Alexander and Alex Jones. And um, I think that to get to Roger Stone, a number of things have to happen first. And one thing that has to happen first is you have to get through the Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. The Proud Boys sentencing is next week. DOJ is asking for very steep uh, terrorist um, enhancements for them. So they're looking, they're looking to, they're looking for sentences upwards of what Stuart Rhodes was, was sentenced to. And it's, and it's a hard issue because they didn't personally engage in some of the worst violence. They just elicited the violence from hundreds and hundreds of people. So that's coming up next week. And um, Owen Schroyer, Alex Jones's sidekick Uh is also due to be sentenced, I think in early September. And there are a few other things that I, anticipate are going on behind the scenes some of which are unfortunate some of the like cassandra stuff i was yelling about two years ago but um so you have to i think this those are the cases roger stone alex jones are the cases um alex jones especially because alex jones they both alex jones and roger stone are very good at laying alibis so was so was tadio but Tadio is closer to the action. And so you need to have a lot to combat whatever alibi they have um, for the time they're arrested. Um, Like, you know, Alex Jones, right. Was he staged this claim that he was trying to deescalate the violence at the Capitol when obviously he wasn't, that argument has already been debunked, but only debunked so far as to sustain a trespassing charge for Owen Schroyer built off of a pre-existing non, non, um, non-prosecution non agreement. And so you need to get further with Alex Jones, and it takes a lot of work to get there and a lot of um, 
you know, just as one example, Roger Stone is somebody who in real time was using uh, self-deleting signal texts, whereas the, both the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, they tried to delete stuff after the fact, uh-huh. but they weren't deleting it as they go. And so those make it harder to prosecute. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but they're all in the works. You think there are active investigations still going on that are looking at at those guys, at Roger Stone and Alex Jones and Ali Alexander, people we haven't seen named. Uh, Roger Stone, I have no doubt. I mean, one again, one of the things that I, Chris Worrell, the guy who's on the lamb, you know, hunting, hunting in your neighborhood right now, like literally uh, they, he was, he was convicted of both assault and obstruction. They're asking for a 14 year sentence for wow. him. Um, and the way in which they got to, premeditation for obstruction was that on the 3rd, January 3rd in Florida, he and Roger Stone were hanging out calling for the noose for uh, Rick Scott if he didn't, uh, you know, if he didn't side with the challenges. And so, um, so that's the, like, when you see the centrality of Roger Stone in Chris Worrell's sentencing, uh, you see that they definitely are building that case I mean, again, I think they'd like to have Worrell sentenced before they before they go after and try and arrest Roger Stone as well. But um, uh, yeah, okay. Well, so and last week when we spoke, we went through basically the 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 four cases against Trump. Now, the Georgia one, the most recent one, and the one that they're all today is a deadline for them to turn themselves in. Still, a few haven't, but a few fought it, like Mark Meadows. Now, Mark Meadows. Um, it's interesting since he's been so quiet, many of us, myself included, assumed that he was probably cooperating with Jack Smith because he wasn't indicted in the in that case. But he was charged in Georgia. He tried to um, get separated, tried to get it moved back to federal court. Uh, they said, uh, no, doesn't work that way. And he finally yesterday went in and got mugshotted. Guy looks like he is... Also a crying, <laughs> but he now, looked- but look, that's look, there's the lighting problem. I told you uh-huh, about like uh-huh. that. That's 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 a lighting problem. They fixed that before Trump or Trump wore better makeup. Maybe. Well, that's it. Trump wore better makeup. But Mark Meadows, he looks like he was just crying and was about to cry again. And I guess, you know, that's what happens when you break the law and you think you're above it so the mark meadows is now uh, indicted he's now booked he's a he's a prisoner or or, uh, you know uh, they're they're out on bail they're all out on bond he's a pre-trial release felon yeah (laughs) felony defendant um yeah in fact the next thing after after we get done with our mugshots i think there's just one person who hasn't turned themselves in which is the the um because a bunch did this morning one is it's that minister the kind of right-wing lutheran minister who was also involved in the ruby freeman pressure campaign um who i think has ties to rudy and carrick uh through his police networks but anyway um, the next big event is Monday. So Mark Meadows, didn't I tell you that Mark Meadows was not cooperating? I think I no, did. Uh, yeah, I think you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> but we, we thought um, he was because he was so quiet. He was just, he did that unusual thing for these Republicans. He listened to what his lawyer said and he shut his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I wrote, if people didn't see it over last weekend, I wrote what I think is a really good, like, here's what we can tell from Mark Meadows. And I think what happened is Mark Meadows early on 
was trying to keep his options open and not go on the record. And he was interviewed in the stolen documents case probably before the uh, before the search in Florida. And um, and he kind of denied certain things that after the prosecution developed, uh, probably in a grand jury appearance in April, at least a grand jury appearance in April, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, now I believe that my my um, my ghostwriter was right and that Donald Trump was wrong. So his you know, what has probably happened is he has slowly evolved his testimony such that he won't be that he hasn't been named as a co-conspirator in the federal case. Um, but uh, we'll see how it works now that now that there are two. So he's trying he and Jeffrey Clark um, and Trump presumably will. But it, I, last I checked, it wasn't filed yet. I, I saw something this morning that said it may have been. But to set, trying, both to trying to remove their prosecutions to federal court, as are a couple of the fake electors. Um, and Mark Meadows and Jeffrey Clark, it's not frivolous for them. I mean, the, you know, for better or worse, uh, the, the U.S. government says if you are a federal government employee and you do something, the states can't be arresting you for doing something that's part of your job. So if Mark Meadows and Jeffrey Clark can argue it was part of our job to try and steal the election in Georgia, um, then what will happen is first it'll get their case will get they'll just get to be tried in federal court. And Mark Meadows is trying to have it dismissed entirely. Um, and as you said, Mark Meadows has really good lawyers. Mm-hmm. And, and he's listening he to them. Is, he has been a remarkably good client of his really good lawyers. And that's one of many reasons I say this is not a frivolous challenge on his part. But uh, his really good lawyers said they, they tried to get everything in place before the arrest happened. And they failed. Fonnie Willis wrote this great letter. Um, which you probably have somewhere where uh, she was like, your it. client is no different from any other defendant in this, uh, in, in this district and um, yours in service. She signed it with this very <laughs> floral signature. Um, but so they tried to get it all in place before the actual arrest went in and, and Fannie Willis won that fight. She won the fight to say like you as a federal judge cannot enter, cannot, prevent me from carrying out a prosecution in my district until after you've seen the evidence. So uh, Mark Meadows is a very good lawyers jumped on it very quickly and his hearing for the evidence is on Monday. Ah, so that's what now, now again, this is in Georgia. So will this be televised? No, it's a, no, oh, it's, it's a, a federal court. Oh, uh, this, oh, this is in the federal court. Okay. Yeah. The, the, if everything, once we get to the Georgia state court and the first that we are scheduled to be in the Georgia state court, besides arraignments is, um, K- Kenneth Cheesebra asked for a speedy <laughs> trial. So for October 23rd, yeah, okay. but yes, that what? is now scheduled for October 23rd. Wow. So, okay. So let's go, let's go there. So Kenneth Cheesebro, he's, he is one of Wait, the, let me do the Mark okay. Meadows thing first. Okay. Oh, yes, it's please. Monday. Yes. And it's, <laughs> it and is people, Monday. this is a good read for people of Mark Meadows. Okay. Um, on Monday, Brad Raffensperger and the investigator for, uh, the state of Georgia and one other witness will go to that hearing and, and Fonnie Willis's prosecutors will get them to will elicit testimony from them. So you're going to see Brad Raffensperger testify on Monday about 
that phone call, the January 2nd phone call from the Donald Trump. Cause. You're going to see, uh, I'm forgetting her last name, Frances Watson, I think is her name. You're going to see her testify to what Mark Meadows did on December 22nd. 2020 when he came down and tried to get into the to the area where they were comparing signatures you're going to see her testify about a conversation they had on the 23rd and this is where mark meadows is so he pled the fifth mostly in the grand jury in georgia he obviously he was he was forced to testify to executive privilege stuff in dc and this is where mark meadows's testimony may kind of start could start to fall apart because if you look at the georgia evidence it looks like mark meadows came tried to bulldoze his way in was prevented and then went back to dc and said i was prevented let's go pressure them some more mark meadows told a dc grand jury that he went back to dc and told trump everything's in order right so and and for Jack Smith's purposes, that testimony is perfectly fine. It means another high level Trump aide told him everything was in order and Trump nevertheless still doubled down. Um, but but it may not be entirely accurate. And so so Monday, we actually get testimony from three Georgia witnesses and we see how well Fonnie Willis's prosecutors stand up against probably the best well, Trump has a very good Georgia lawyer as of yesterday, but um, some of the some of the best lawyers of any of the 19 co-conspirators so gotcha. that's but, what's but, happening monday okay but we won't actually see it we'll hear about it because this is the yeah, federal you'll, hear a, okay. ton of, you'll well, hear a ton of real coverage that's a that's a federal courthouse in atlanta okay um all right so so cheeseboro or chesboro however you say his name he was one of the she's the, mad <laughs> <laughs> i say cheat because he's kind of cheesy anyway so he said okay Fonnie willis said we're going to try all 19 of these co-defendants together cheeseboro said i want to um uh, i want to go for my speedy trial and she said okay Great, we'll do October 23rd. So leading some to say that that's what the holdup was in the, you know, months ago, Fannie Willis said the uh, indictment is imminent. And then months went by. I think it was Rachel Maddow said she was dotting her I's and crossing her T's and getting everything ready so she can go to court immediately. She's ready. So she she wants to get this done because, well, it's a whole other story. But so th now will this be severed from the other ones? They can't make the other ones go on October 23rd as well? Uh, we'll see. So she asked to put all 19 on that date. And Trump immediately filed and said, we're not, we don't want that date. No, you know, we Trump want 2026. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is where I think there may be some slide and we'll see. We'll see. Right. Because she's going to say this is a conspiracy and they should all be tried together. Um yeah, we'll see. I, I, uh, as of right now, Chesboro Cheeseboro is scheduled for October 23rd. Um, and I think he'd like to be severed. He's going to get yeah. up and argue that he was just the paperwork guy. He was just providing advice and Trump follow, you know, it's, it wasn't up. He didn't implement the advice. Um, where he had more direct contact with people was in Wisconsin and Arizona than, than Georgia, I think. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, we'll see, okay. you know, like, there's a lot, October is still a long way away. 
But uh, and there's there's still a lot that could happen between now and then. Like Chesboro, Cheeseboro hasn't been charged in the in federal court yet, and and it could happen. And once if and does if and when that does happen, you know he may rethink rushing to get himself on the record. Uh, as John Eastman is currently doing, John Eastman is currently in his debar debarment hearings in wow. California, so he keeps Today. going on the record. Yeah, uh, yep. yeah. Yep. Today and yesterday, yep. yep. He had to fly back to Georgia to be arrested so that he can go back to be debarred. <laughs> oh my God! And but, meanwhile, I mean, these things are going to start interacting like this more and more. Um, and you know, are we going to we'll Marcy? Are we going to hear when the co-conspirators individually start flipping, or will they wait to spring that on us like a trial? Will we know ahead of time if somebody's cooperating? I don't know. I, I honestly, um, there are some really good experts in Georgia that I really defer to. Like Anna Bauer is one that might be familiar because she's at Lawfare. Right. Um, but the the Atlanta Journal, Atlantic Journal Constitution uh -huh. has a lot of good coverage that I can't see because it's GDPR protected. Um, there's there's a fair number of Georgians who know the local court, know the local law, know the local personalities. And I really I think we're getting in some ways better coverage out of Georgia because people who know the law are covering it rather than just dipshit political reporters like are covering the D.C. trials. So. Uh huh. Now, you started telling us before who we should follow. I know I have Anna Bauer, uh, the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Anybody else that that you're you're saying that this this person's providing really good coverage? We should listen yeah, to. Um, I'm going to forget a few of them, but Georgia Public Broadcasting. Uh, I think his name is Stephen Fowler with a Stephen with a Ph. OK. Um, and there's an attorney whose name I'm going to forget. Let me see if I can find it, but he's also really good. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm going to keep recommending that people go to the Georgia coverage because uh -huh. it's just better. It's better. It's going to be better coverage because they're there. These right. are the people who are going to cover Monday's hearing. Um, it's better coverage because it's better steeped in the law and the local personalities. And so, especially on the Georgia coverage, I really recommend that you seek out Georgia experts because it's there and you're just going to know you're going to have much better information than if you, um, CNN's doing like CNN and ABC, I think are doing good coverage generally of Trump's prosecutions across the board. Um, but they're, they're just not, they don't have the expertise that the Georgians do. And so go gotcha. with the Georgians for the Georgia okay. case. Because Sounds it's a good. state case too. It's a different, you know, it's a, it's different. Right. Okay. So Marcy Wheeler is here. Uh, when, when we started, um, you know, last week I asked you, <clears throat> all right, now the four indictments that we were expecting have, <clears throat> have happened. Um, now we move forward because are there any more? We don't know. Well, this morning, I, I, I'm sure others are reporting it too, but Rolling Stone is reporting that Arizona is probing Rudy Giuliani, so uh, so to speak, as, quote, fake elector kingpin. Um, I've, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff that there's something brewing in Arizona. Have you heard anything about that? More charges? Um, it's a, just another investigation. And it, you know, like, so, so we're not going to get another investigation in in Vegas because of the way their law goes. Mm -hmm. We're not in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin because those people were smart enough to protect themselves. Um, which state am I missing? Georgia, Wisconsin, we Michigan. We've got, we've got Michigan. So Michigan, the charges are just at the state level. Right. right? And so they've already indicted, 16. right. All of the fake electors yep. there. 
and and also the equivalent of the coffee county thing this the stealing the data and you could see parallels to those charges in arizona because in arizona again you have both you've got the effort to get the data which was really sustained and probably borrowed the dominion data from coffee county and from antrim county and the other the stuff from michigan so michigan got it first then georgia and then it all went to to arizona but um but and and then the fake electors and right. and in and um and you like you have people like mark fincham uh who there are a couple figures who have ties to the stop the steal and also to the fake electors mark fincham is that person in arizona yeah and and he really like um ali alexander his closest ties at a state level were to arizona so he had he has close ties to Paul Gosar's office. He has ties to Mark Fincham. So um, that would be. I mean, what what's what's? I did a thread overnight about this, and I've I've written about this a couple of times. But what's going to increasingly happen, and what may cause this to snowball, either politically or legally, is that you know the you're like even in Georgia versus the state, you've got areas where there's uneven coverage like mark meadows sure. is charged in georgia but not charged federally or sydney powell is expo- her charges in georgia are pretty significant they're they're hacking charges basically so she's she, you know go get the data in she's not yet charged of course federally but federally all she is described as doing is 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 filing lawsuits focusing on dominion hmm. whereas in georgia hmm. she's accused of hacking basically um and she you know so the georgia charges aren't pardonable and she's a she's accused of a far more serious crime in georgia than she is currently described as doing on the federal level and so if you're sydney powell do you flip and and help make this case um or like the Willie Floyd that I told you about, right? So he was he was arrested for assaulting FBI guys trying okay. to serve a subpoena, and his docket in Maryland just disappears in May on May fifteenth. Like we don't May nineteenth, we don't know what happened after he's after he submitted his passport on May nineteenth. We don't know what happened, um, and so presumably something happened there that suggests. That Jack Smith, Jack Smith was investigating the Ruby Freeman stuff, stuff back in February, but we don't know much about that either. Um, you know, what is what is what is Willie Floyd going to do after a night in the awful Fulton County Jail? The <laughs> right. one, you know, one of the two black people who actually didn't get bailed. Um, and so, so that's one thing. But the other thing is. Um, and this is more true, far more true in Georgia than Arizona or Michigan. But again, I keep saying this in Georgia, the party stood up to Donald Trump. Yes. Right. In Georgia, you're going to have Brad Raffensperger testify. You're going to have a, a, um, an elected official testify uh, against Mark Meadows on Monday, on Monday. On Monday. Um, and 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 in Georgia, which had always been Republican until Donald Trump came along. Mm-hmm. Um those same people standing up to Donald Trump have lost three elections. That's right. right? They lost both Senate seats. They lost the presidential and, um, and, and Warnock again, right. Against, right. Again, exactly. um, Against a Trump candidate. Like, you know, Probably they could have had a better Georgia candidate. They brought (laughs) Herschel Walker in. He proved to be totally corrupt, totally hypocritical. And so, 
you know, my one and and in Georgia, unlike Michigan, like so Michigan, all the fake electors have been charged. Right. So they're not you know, they're, they they had a pool party to celebrate. They're like a club together and they're nuts. Like Michigan's Republican Party is significantly more nuts than Georgia for a variety of reasons. But the people who run it right now are just batshit insane. Whereas Georgia, there are some extremely conservative people who would like to have their extremely conservative lives back. And uh, and the question is, and and many of those people are testifying and may testify against Kenneth Cheesebro on October 23rd, well before we start getting into primaries. And Trump cannot become president again unless he wins Georgia. Right. Right. Or not any foreseeable means, you know, like the, he's that the math doesn't work. If he doesn't win Georgia, he's not going to be president again. Um, and so. I'm not promising that the Republican Party is going to split from Donald Trump. The chances of that happening are still low. But even if just the Republican Party in Georgia uses this as an opportunity to totally distance themselves from Trump, if only to regain their state as a Republican state. Right. um, You know, as a non-Trump Republican state. I, you know, we're going to see interesting things happening with the politics and, and, and things that we really can't foresee. We can't. I mean, like a point I made in this thread overnight is that one of the most important witnesses, if, if Jack Smith can get the DC case to trial before the primaries or before, um, before Super Tuesday, um, one of the most important witnesses in that case is, um, uh, not Stephen Miller, the other one. Jason Miller. Jason Miller. Yeah, it's Jason Miller. Yeah. Because Jason Miller has this habit of like telling, of telling the truth. (laughs) Um, And so what is it, how is it going to work if, say, Donald Trump is going to trial in February on that federal charge and Jason Miller is, is a dead drop uh, witness against Donald and, and Mark Meadows right now is signed up to be a witness against Donald Trump. How's that going to work? How's that going to affect the primary? I don't know. No one knows. No. But those are the kinds of questions that we should be asking in addition to asking how do you get those Fox viewers out of that bubble? Right. So exact. So so we've got okay. We've got the Georgia case, which is in full swing now. It's like all right. Took the the imminence. Uh, took forever but it's there and now it's all imminent uh you got jack smith and the um january 6th case but you also have jack smith and the documents case now um there's there was action in the documents case um this week where usil i don't know his last name the it guy Tavares, tavares flipped he's like Fired the the Trump attorney who you told us about last time who's representing too many of them, conflict of interest. He fired him and then got a new attorney and went in and recanted his false statement and sang. What do we know about this? Well, and saying, I mean, one of the things, look, we have completely lost track that normally in criminal investigations, a great many people go in and testify, testify truthfully because we become inured to Donald Trump, like where everyone believes they have impunity. And uh, and so he, th- there was an ABC report, again, ABC does good reporting on this kind of stuff. There was an ABC report that he um, didn't so much, he wasn't so much instructed to lie as he just wanted to not be involved. And so his original testimony was not forthcoming about this effort to destroy surveillance footage. And, uh, 
the the lawyer in question, a guy by the name of Stan Woodward, right. being paid Stan by Woodward. Trump's PAC, representing eight witnesses in the documents case alone. Wow. And um, including people like Cash Patel. Right. Uh-huh. And um, and he has part of uh, Peter Navarro's defense. Uh, he, Navarro is defended by everyone. But um, and so. Because Tavares's false testimony was in D.C., they had to deal with it in D.C. They were either going to charge him with perjury and they sent him a target that said, we're going to charge you with perjury. And then uh, told the chief judge in D.C. that he was being represented by an attorney with all these conflicts. He's again, eight. at that point, it was eight. Now right. it's seven. Um, and the chief judge, uh, Jeb Boesberg, brought in the, the public defenders, the federal defenders, uh, probably a woman named Shelley Peterson, who's just a superb lawyer. Anyone would love to have her uh, if they could. And um, under her advice, and he didn't have to flip. So he didn't have to enter into a plea agreement. And this was probably Jack Smith trying to break the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. You get one or two key witnesses and others may uh, may suit, right? decide that they don't want to they don't want to go to jail for for Donald Trump. And so he was all he had to do was recant his testimony. And he gave very damning testimony about not just Trump and Walt Nauta, who had already been charged, but also Carlos de Oliveira, who and now DOJ has noticed conflicts, both the seven people who. Uh, Stan Woodward represent. And in their most recent filing, which was this week, they said, you know, we had to go to Bozberg about it, not just because of these conflicting witnesses, but because he's being paid by Trump's, he's being paid by Trump, basically. And mm-hmm. so there is a conflict about whether he's representing Walt Nauta's interests or representing Trump's. And then also uh, with De Oliveira, that lawyer, John Irving, represents three witnesses in the case. And so they've done the same thing with him. And Aileen Cannon, who's not a very experienced judge, was like, oh, let me complain about the way you're using grand juries. Right. And DOJ's response was like, if you do what Stan Woodward wants you to do, it will be reversible error. If you do not give a conflict notice to these two to these two defendants, it will be uh, a reversible error. And so they're basically threatening to go to the 11th circuit and particularly on what, what Stan Woodward wants, it would be easily reversed. It would be like, you know, the smackdown she got from the 11th circuit last fall. And so, you know, again, like when I say these all work together, if Jack, like the documents case may not go to trial until May or maybe next October, or what have you. But if Jack Smith can, use that case to break all of these conflicted uh, attorney relationships, it's going to have an effect on on the D.C. case as well, because they're the same people. Right. Right. So so that, that's the thing uh, that my next question was going to be. And so what's happening with Aileen Cannon? Because she did. She's like, he they did the indictment here. And now he's doing a grand jury thing in D.C. And that's not cool. I'm obviously paraphrasing and how I envision her doing this. But um, uh, there was nothing wrong with with how they had this. Uh, I guess it was all about uh, Tavares in D.C. And, and there was no problem there. What's happening with Eileen Cannon? Is she she's going forward? She's going to be the judge that uh, she's is she does she seem to know what she's doing? 
No, she doesn't. I mean, she she's inexperienced. She's not unqualified to be a judge. She is inexperienced. Uh, as by the way, is the the Georgia judge who right. pulled the case. Uh, yeah. Not this. So the the federal judge that we'll see Monday. I've heard great things about. Um, he's I think an Obama appointee or a. Uh, I think he's an Obama appointee, but anyway, um, the judge who will preside over the, over Fannie Willis's state case is also inexperienced. And I think Aileen Cannon's case is she's inexperienced, but she's also easily persuaded by Stan Woodward, which, you know, I've seen a lot of, Stan Woodward has been playing the press for two and a half years on the January 6th investigation. And there are a lot of journalists who've been very credulous of his claims. So he's good at that. Yes. You know? Yes. So, okay. So, Marcy, in the few minutes we have left, I've got, I've got three stories here. One is, and you wrote about it early this morning, or early this morning, my time, um, before before we started recording this, and it has to do with the the Republicans' favorite diversion, Hunter Biden. And the headline is: Right wing operatives say Hunter Biden shouldn't get same treatment as Dmitry Furtash. Is there a response to everything Donald Trump, Hunter Biden? Yes. Yeah. And like I said, if you are a Fox News viewer, all you know is that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are the most corrupt presidents in the world. And these people believe it. I mean, they literally believe it. And in, unless you understand what has gone into that process. Um, and the problem is that D.C. journalists, you know, I uh, like um, Kevin McCarthy can say, oh, yeah, we'll go impeach because we have no evidence against against joe biden and rather than reporting oh my gosh republicans admit they have no evidence and the response to that is impeachment right um they they present it as a process question we're closer to impeachment and and so that's what's like i'm i'm as worried about really terrible hill reporting in dc as i am about what fox news is to brainwash these people because um you know this terrible reporting in dc is reporting stuff that is completely counter to democracy to rule of law as if it's just process right it's just normal legislative process and it's not and it is it is um completely ridiculous that they can't bother themselves to do better coverage yeah the washington post this morning is reporting that um that they're they're talking about yes going ahead with an impeachment or at least an impeachment inquiry into joe biden quote on the idea that the evidence is being hidden so that's yeah. they don't have evidence. They're just saying, well, it's being hidden. But in the next breath, Comer, who heads the, the committee, bragged about receiving, quote, 100 percent of the documents he requested. So if they've given over 100 percent of the documents he's requested, what are they hiding? And that's the point. I mean, uh McCarthy pretends that he's asking for bank information. Comer has gotten the bank information. He's going to pretend now that he that Joe Biden is hiding State Department information. But the but the other point is, like, if you look at Trump's two impeachments, if you certainly if you look at the um, if you look at the Ukraine impeachment, um, then you know Trump didn't turn over anything. Nothing. State Department didn't turn over. Defense Nothing. Department didn't turn over. Ways and Means didn't turn over. Like uh, they didn't turn over anything. So the entire premise is false. And the problem is journalists are not saying. First of all, you have no evidence. Right. You have no evidence. Right. Uh, and and they admit and they have no second, evidence. They they don't. Right. Right. So. 
Okay, so there's that hypocrisy. Then, so that's going on. And of course, as you point out, Marcy Wheeler, the Fox viewers, they all they believe, all they know is what Fox is telling them, and they call it news, and they think that that's the truth, and they believe that shit. I feel sorry for them, but it goes back to Donald Trump saying, "I love the poorly educated." Well, of course you do, because a dumbed down electorate is an easily pliable <laughs> manipulated electorate yeah. right and then the the other big story this week the uh plane crash in russia Prigozhin dead and you know uh, funny i i and i don't follow what donald trump writes on his truth social or anywhere else has he commented on his favorite you know world dictator leader genius guy who obviously and then debate the other night none of them except for uh, uh um had anything nice to say about putin they, they threw around the term murderer a lot uh but has trump weighed in on this not that i've seen no i mean and uh uh it, it's it's interesting i mean i think we're gonna the the ramifications are gonna hit i think africa before they're gonna hit syria before they're gonna hit ukraine but um it is interesting because obviously Prigozhin was one of the two ways that um, that Putin has intervened in past elections, and Putin is more interested in shoring up his own power at this point than um, I mean. Trust me, he's still fiddling in the United States, very much so, and that may be his one strong point right now. But um, but. It's unclear what we're going to see in the aftermath of Prigozhin, but it's wow. not surprising he was killed, but uh, it's it'll be interesting going forward. Yeah, it will be. You know, there's one other little story that I, I'm just seeing little mentions of. Um, uh, Donald Trump quietly sold Mar-a-Lago to one of his spawn for $422 million. Yeah, what? Yeah, I we need to. I mean, like, I, hopefully there'll be more robust reporting on that because that is sort of Zillow, Zillow based, so it's not it's not particularly robust. But understand that there are multiple theories by which any um, property used in his crimes will be subject to forfeiture, as well as his super PAC. Um, right. So this, the PAC money, I think, is more subject to forfeiture if Jack Smith ever puts together a um, false, you know, a, a fraudulent fundraising case against him. But uh, but the house itself, because it's not a house, it's you know, it's a commercial property yes. that I you know, my guess is that the house itself, Trump was advised that the house itself could be at risk for forfeiture if he didn't transfer transfer ownership and my guess it's is it's the georgia thing and not the federal thing because um don jr to whom he you know it's a company run a company Uh, you know like the republicans are like oh my god hunter biden had a shell company i'm like have you looked at (laughs) mar-a-lago have you looked at trump's entire business model um yeah look at the albert bragg case right i mean that's all that it's all shell companies, yes. right? Donald Trump is nothing but a shell company with an ugly mug. But um, yeah, so it is a company uh, managed by Don Jr. And my guess is that it was, if it if it in fact holds up, again, we need to see some more robust reporting, right. but my best guess, and as I said, Trump swapped lawyers in Georgia for one of the best in the state on RICO. So my guess is that somebody got to him and said like, you know, 
you need to get through this RICO prosecution before you can even imagine you're going to be able to win an election. And um, and the and the RICO process, you know, there are strengths and weaknesses to both of the prosecutions, to all of the prosecutions against Trump. But the RICO has certain tools that Jack Smith is not yet using against Trump beyond. I mean, Jack Jack Smith is using co-conspiracy law in the federal case to ensure that he doesn't have to put Rudy Giuliani on the stand or Sidney Powell or or um, Boris Epstein or Ken, Kenneth Chesbro, Cheesebro, Cheeseman. Um, <laughs> but uh but Fannie Willis has more tools with the RICO indictment. And, and so I, my guess is that's that led somebody to advise Trump to to start acting more like a criminal defendant and less like a con man. Well, he, that comes naturally to him, I think. Um, Marcy Wheeler. All right. I, I'm going to let you go in a second. I just have to do one postscript not related to any of this. The debate the other night, Ron DeSantis I, 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 and again, maybe I'm not reading enough, um, uh, but I'm surprised I haven't seen more outrage over this answer that he gave. So as president, would you support sending U.S. special forces over the border into Mexico to take out fentanyl labs, to take out drug cartel operations? Would you support that kind of American military Use. Yes, and I will do it on day one. Here's- Ron DeSantis is going to invade Mexico on day one of his uh, pretend presidency and, and uh, with troops. What? This is no, this is a real Republican policy. I mean, there are people in Congress saying that you have to do it. And, and DeSantis, he's trying to find a place that he can run from. And it's as a fascist. And yeah, he's saying. But the other thing is that, like. Republicans have invest and and Fox News have invested so much in treating the Mexican border as the source of all evil <laughs> in trying to simplify the fentanyl crisis down to border rather than down to transnational financial flows. Yeah. Um, and and they have like there's no room for complexity in the GOP anywhere anymore and so what do you do if there's a problem you bomb the shit out of it and that is where that instinct comes from right that's it's the same instinct though that says shut down one of the biggest employers in your state because they are friendly to gay employees yeah right right uh, yeah, I, I'm just glad the rest of the country is finally seeing what I've been telling them about Ron DeSantis for the last six years but the 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 unbelievable part of it is in this Washington Post Ipsos poll that I mentioned before, and I know it's a poll, but it's on this debate that Republican voters thought he did the best. <laughs> I just, it's opposite world. I just don't. I think it. if it's that, if it's the same poll that I'm thinking of, the other thing about that poll or one poll is it showed there was some movement among viewers. Like people were like, oh yeah, maybe I could support DeSantis. Maybe I could support Ramaswamy. Maybe I, although no women said that, maybe I could support Nikki Haley. And so it's at least comforting that Republicans are saying, yeah, I could find some of these people tolerable if for whatever reason I couldn't vote for Donald Trump, because you need to see that movement. You need to see some people be, you know, you need to give people a, a process by which they can remove themselves from the cult, even if it's a different cult, like, you know, Ron DeSantis is unreconstructed fascism. Nikki Haley is just an old style neocon. Um, But you need to, it's cult deprogramming at this point. Yeah. 
Oh, good. All right. Well, the hour is up. We can keep going, but we'll stop here. Marcy Wheeler, I know you're going on vacation, enjoying family time next week. Um, but we will talk again very soon because we're going to do this regularly. And um, there's stuff coming up. So I, I, I thank you so much for sharing your reporting and expertise with us. I, I'm excited. Always great to be on. And with that, we're done. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm Nicole Sandler. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to visit emptywheel.net to stay up to date with all of Marcy's reporting. And check out our past shows anytime, anywhere, nicolesandler.com. It's all there. Support both of us if you can. I'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend.